They want to perpetrate the lie that if the American people rise up, you're going to get in trouble. And the reality is, if the American people rose up in a uniform way and did it together, it'd be done in a day. Welcome to Pop Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today we're going to be talking about toxic masculinity. And how important it is? Well, you know what? Let's take away toxic. We're going to talk about masculinity. We're going to talk about the masculinity that made this country great and needs to come back into this country in order to keep this country great. Because wokeness ain't going to do it, my friend. It's not going to cut it for sure. Not going to cut it. So we got a guest here today that we are honored to have. Uh, you guys have seen him on TV. He's been a commentator on every major network. He has filled in for Sean Hannity, Sebastian Gorka, and my man, Andrew Wilkow. He is the host of the Experts podcast on Sirius XM. He's a former Navy SEAL, FBI special agent, federal air marshal, security contractor, police officer, and the author of A Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival, which was a number one Amazon bestseller. So welcome to Jonathan T. Gillum. To Jonathan, you there? Sure, I'm here. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. (laughs) For sure. And uh, just so you know, we are available as hype men. So if you need us to follow you around the country, we can can do this intro wherever you go. Even if you're just going to like dinner, right? We can walk into Applebee's and we can be like, y'all listen. Listen, you know who's walking in this door? Exactly. Because I don't know if you're ever a former Navy SEAL or if you're ever a former FBI agent. I think it always stays with you. Well, well, the FBI doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Man. Like, I'd be former FBI agent. I'm yeah. okay with that. My dad, uh, my dad's with you. We'll, we'll talk about that. But, yeah. you know, I look through all this, this former Navy SEAL, FBI special agent, federal air marshal, security contractor, police officer. Let me ask you this. What was your first job at 16? <laughs> well, my first job actually was when I was 12. I was mowing lawns. There you go. Um, and then I went from mowing lawns to being a prep cook at a place called Gaston's All right. in, uh, in Arkansas where they, uh, it's on the white river and it's a huge resort out there. Well, I mean, it's not huge. It was huge to me back then, but from that point forward, I had a job just about everywhere you could think. I, Cause I, you know, I, I was poor. I grew up poor and, um, grew up in the, you grew up in the Ozarks. Was, yeah. My father left when I was nine and then he died when I was 13 and my mom raised four kids and, uh, kept us clothed and, fed and instilled morals and ethics in us and so you know and it's always told me i could be whatever i wanted to be and uh so i'm i'm the product of a broken home but the product of a fully functioning woman who uh, cared about about her children right and on. so that's what you get you know mom's still around oh yeah yeah she's still yeah Good. she's still, let me tell you something this is a great thing to, t- to start with is that not only is she still around but her and my stepdad jim you know, they're in their seventies, Jim's in his uh, early eighties. And every time I talk to them, I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're, they're like, Oh, we got to take food over these people's homes. And I'm like, where are the young people in your church? And they're like, well, you know, this, and I said, man, when I'm coming to your, when I'm coming to Arkansas next, I'm going to go in front of your congregation. I'm going to let them know Call them that out. it's time for the young people to start doing something because these two do more than in a day than most people do an entire year for other people different generation but it's a, it's a real problem even in the workforce right. let alone with volunteer different time. generation this is that is yeah. indicative of the entire world right now um yeah 
Oh, for sure. Well, that's good. I, you know, I was hoping you were going to be like, well, I was a line cook at Dairy Queen. Well, <laughs> just to have, you know, you well, he was a cook, hey, I was but I, job. but I also wonder if they're like, Hey, if some trouble happens out here at the bar, can you come from behind <laughs> flip, flipping them patties and come throw some people out exactly. on their ass? <laughs> no, I, I tell you this. So I went to McDonald's yesterday. I put it up picture of me on social media. I, I guess McDonald's ice cream machines are always broken. So I had ice cream all over me because this beard, it collects it and then it drips on me. But I was to put up a you know joking picture. But as we turn the corner, they're hiring fifteen dollars an hour. Oh yeah. I mean when I was when I was a kid, I worked at McDonald's for two weeks. I think I made three dollars and thirty five cents an hour. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Fifteen dollars an hour. There are there are police departments in this country, as you well know, smaller departments where McDonald's workers will be making more than their police officers yeah. that are working in that city. There are police officers in this country that are making $14 an hour, $16 an hour, you know, and you're telling me that some guy who's, who's dropping a basket of fries is worth the same. Get out of here. Get out of yeah, here. Pretty crazy. It is. Yeah. It was worth it. It was worth the ice cream though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it was working, if it was working, that is the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, right. Apparently the ice cream machines are always down. I, I think I'm going to go into that. I'm going to, I'm going to leave police work and I think I'm going to become an, McDonald's ice cream machine fixer. Cause that guy is never <laughs> without work, man. That guy's. It was good. Well, I, I did read in a bio that you went to college. Yeah. Were you a Trojan? Sure did. Was that, was I it? was a Trojan. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Not a Razorback. Not a we Razorback. We were the Trojans. <laughs> yeah. What a horrific thing. You know, this is a perfect example of history where history, you know, the Trojans were an incredible fighting force and they're only known for being a representative of a condom now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, exactly. when you think about it, they were real warriors. Right. Fought, exactly. you know, or the Trojan horse. Wars. Yeah. Well, Trojan horse. Wars. I mean, that's what made them amazing. That was the first. I mean, that was amazing. That was an amazing maneuver. Yeah. That had never been done. And now you're right. Now they're just condoms. You, you talk to 100 <laughs> kids out there and ask them what a Trojan is. Yeah. And yeah. they won't know. They won't know. So, so was that, was that time in college that you spent? Uh, good and what you needed or in retrospect would you have just started your uh, military service earlier well you know i always wish i would have gone in the military enlisted to be honest with you but i'm glad i got my my college degree i'm glad i got it the way i did even when i got it i kind of wish i would have gone in enlisted uh i was i was not a good officer i'm like now the person that i am i'd be an incredible officer because i see things differently in the yeah, way it's, of leadership it's life, it's life experience Right. And what I learned in college and um, college was difficult for me. I'm not a, a book smart person. I have to learn uh, what I'm doing. And that's just not the case. You know, I learned in officer Canada school that uh, how to pump and dump because of a, a, a good buddy of mine, Butler. I failed the very first test in officer Canada school, right? It took me three years to get in the military. They elected me as the class president and I failed the first test. And it was because I was trying to learn it, not memorize it. Mm -hmm. And in officer candidate school, in a lot of military schools, there's only a certain amount that you can learn because it's so fast. So you have to learn how to pump and dump and uh, study in a certain way. And because of Butler, you know, I learned it. Had I learned that in college, I would have been a 4.0 student. But you know, almost every class I ever went to in college, I was focused on learning it. Right. And yeah, because memorizing it is not accomplishing the goal. It's, it's almost like 
cheating your way through. You know what? And that's how I am. Yeah. That's how I, I'm the same way. I can't, I cannot yeah. study to memorize the information. I mean, you, you put something in my hands to learn it. Mm-hmm. You put me out there on the field and you teach me how to set up a Claymore mine. Hey, I'll never forget it. Right. But you make me just read a book about it and want to know what the maximum effective distance is. Fuck. I don't know, man. <laughs> Shit. Are yeah. you kidding me? I let, Put it in my hands though. Let me learn it. And that's why I think I did so well in the military myself. I mean, not certainly I'm not comparing myself to you, but when I left school, I was a 1.3. That was my grade point average. I had no options, man. The military saved my life. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for the military, yeah. I don't know where I'd be right now. Oh, my high school grade point average was probably less than yours, but I don't know how I got into the University of Arkansas, Little Rock, but I did. And I basically, I had a double major in psychology and political science. I put everything I had, I was working like three jobs, put everything I had into that. And, you know, somehow I came out of there with like a 2.46 average, I think, or 2.56 average. And I try to tell people this, if you go to college to learn every class, you you will not make a 4.0. If you go there and you pick out the things that you want to learn, but you understand how to study and what to study for that's going to be tested, then you'll make a 4.0. Unless you're just a genius, you know, but 2.46. Are you kidding me? 2.4. My dad would have been so happy. He would have taken me to Red Lobster when I got those grades, dude. That would have been, <laughs> yeah. that would have been amazing. Oh, you can eat shrimp, buddy. Yeah. He'd have been like, my son's going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 2.56. I think when, when I got my overall grade point average, I was like, you know, I felt good about it because I could literally talk about the things that I'd learned. And it was a, that's a hard double major to have because you had to do so much writing, which is probably what helped me out with, you know, with writing books and op-eds and stuff. But, but yeah, it was an experience. It was an experience to take somebody who'd never, nobody in my family had gone to college, you know, and uh, I didn't know how to study. That's the one thing I can say about schools is that they really don't teach children how to study. There's never, I never took a class where I learned how to study. And I think it's so important. We were just talking the other day about math teachers. You know, I never had a math teacher. It was worth anything. They just try, they try to teach me on their level and I don't learn like that. Once I learn, I'm good. You know, I can see the big picture and I can progress forward at a, at a rate greater than most people, but I need a teacher who's going to take time to teach me those things so that I can apply them. And I never had that. So when you get out of college uh, and then you go in there, you're going to go to, uh, to buds, right? You're going to do the, uh, the basic underwater demolition uh, training. Yeah. You go to, so you compete for a, an officer slot, you know, or enlisted slot. And for me, I want to go an officer. So it took three years. Uh, there was only so many officer candidate school slots, so many, Naval Academy slots and uh, ROTC slots. That's where the officers come from. So it took me about three years. Not so much of, well, the, to the main thing was my PT scores, my physical fitness scores had to be not just competitive. They had to be top, top, right? And then I, I had to know SEALs. I had to know what the job and who the people were and because that's kind of the part of it. You can't really get into the teams unless you, know somebody in the teams. I mean, that's just, that's the way it goes most of the time. And so, you know, like everything else in my life, I spent three years of learning because my, uh, my recruiter had never in Arkansas in Little Rock had never put an officer through the buds. Like it never sent anybody. 
and got them a slot. So they didn't, when I did a push-up for the first time, they had me on my PT test do the minimum, but do them as fast as possible. And then they submitted that. I mean, I'm surprised I ever even got to, to try out again. You know, so I applied for everything. I was wanting to be a pilot, but mainly was wanting to be a SEAL. And, um, you know, I, I applied for Marine Corps. I applied for almost every police department that there was in Arkansas. But affirmative action screwed me there. So uh, finally, at the same time, I get all these. You know, I got uh, a slot at Camp Robinson Police Department in Arkansas. I took that job and was working there. And then I got a SEAL slot. I got a Marine Corps aviation slot. And um, and I took the SEAL slot. I think I got a Navy aviation slot too. But and it's good that I didn't do that because, you know, my buddy who was a very successful pilot, was he always told me, you have to be able to think very quickly and in 360 degrees and do math and I can do all that. It's the math part kills me. Right there, so. <laughs> uh, just like anybody. Uh, but how did you go from, it says here, you're going from seals and buds training, then U S army ranger school. So I go to officer candidate school in the Navy. That's was 13 weeks at that point. From there you go to buds and that in of itself is a probably entire podcast. Cause I got, Depending on when you show up to uh, Coronado, if you show up early, like it just classed up and you just missed it, then you have to wait in what they call PTRR, which is fourth phase. It's actually um, physical training, rest and relaxation. So it's for the new people to show up to prepare them for, you know, classing up and for the people who've been injured to go back. So they have somewhere to go until they class back up. I was there for two months before uh, the class uh, started, which was actually a benefit. You know, I didn't have anywhere to be anyway. And they, for two months, I was being conditioned for that first phase because first phase is just like nothing you've ever seen. It's, you know, like stepping out in uh, a thoroughbred race in the Kentucky Derby. You just, boom, shot out of a cannon. Here so, yeah. So when, when first phase occurred, um, which was uh, January – of 98, I was uh, fully prepared for that. I mean, there's some guys who showed up two weeks before class up and they were, they, a lot of those guys got injured because it's just, you're just, you're just going into this training that nobody's ever done. I mean, we did like uh, every day we were in between nine and 13 miles. We do, uh, we'd swim two to, I don't know, six. We even do like a, almost an eight mile swim um, underwater. Uh, and we also the other, next week we do it on top of the water because we use the the uh, breathing apparatus and we mm-hmm. do basically almost the same length of dive underwater. So you're just beating, beat, beat, beat. Uh, we did our class two eighteen. We did two hundred eighteen of everything one day: neck ups, pull ups, push ups. Well, look, I can relate. Climbs. I can it's, relate with this. Know, because yesterday I went to Planet Fitness. I did an hour on the recumbent and I did, <laughs> and I did, listen, I did 15 minutes on the rower and I'm exhausted. You didn't plank your weights though, did you? I, what's that? No, no, I didn't you drop didn't anything. Weights, I didn't, you know what? Yeah. I was actually benching and I, it's the, it's the bench where you, you know, you rotate it forward and it catches and I dropped it too hard. I actually panicked for a second. I thought I yeah. was going to set off that lunk alarm. Well, where I work out at Pope <laughs> Fitness, you're allowed to clank weights. Yeah, well, so just remember that. Well, so I just want to let you know, like, I can I can appreciate what you're saying because that hour on the recumbent was brutal. <laughs> brutal. So are you getting so, are you getting information from people that are still in that it's a totally different world right now 
in that in that section of the military, or has that stayed the it, same? What are we doing? Are we going to go to the woke well, military? Can we go to the woke yeah, military? Yeah. Oh my god! It's if we're going to start with that, I mean, even buds, even buds, they're 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 getting uh, light on them guys. I I want to say well, no. Buds is the one thing I think that you could say that where they still have a thank the good a Lord. real a real set of standards that they still stick by. I think the problem with buds, if I had to say, just from a they're still getting guys that they don't skimp on the training, right? They get full benefit training, but the problem is it's the the person from what I've seen, you know, I was one of the last groups of people to go through where, you know, they were trailer park trash. There were freaking dudes who came from nothing. You know, now it's uh, all collegiate athletes and it's a, there used to be, it used to be the least sought after slot in this, in the Naval Academy. Now Mm -hmm. it's number one. Everybody wants to be, they all want to be a SEAL from Naval Academy. So, and they also changed the career, the, the path, uh, career path for officers so that there's a tremendous amount of officers in the career field. So when I went in, there was, you know, any given moment, there'd be 2000 SEALs and 180 of those would be, would be officers that's changed dramatically. So the pipeline itself is made for a career now. And it's the most sought after well, career here, in the Naval Academy. Here's the problem with the military now is while buds may still be good training, and I know we're talking about the quality of the people that are coming in, but what about the numbers? Because you're getting less and less war fighters joining the military now. You're getting less and less people that are okay with violence. You're losing people because they refuse to get the shot. Well, the shot, but you're also, yeah. because they're pushing the woke mentality so much, they're making people that should never have been in the military say, you know what? This is a viable option for me now. I think I'm going to go join the military. They yeah. accept transgender. So they accept, listen, I got pink hair. That's okay. I got my septum pierced. That's okay. Yeah. That's where I think, ranger school is now and you asked me how to get to, how I got to ranger school i went through buds and then when i got to the team we did seal tactical training and then uh while we're waiting on our boards um we had a period of time before we took our boards and so i went to uh ranger school during that period of time so i literally went from officer Canada school to uh, buds to airborne school, which I don't even know if they do that anymore. And then from airborne school, SEAL tactical training, SEAL tactical training to ranger school, and then came back to the team, uh, joined up with my platoon, and then went through a year workup with my platoon. Hmm. So by the end of that, yeah, I knew how to be a SEAL. I was pretty, that, that's about how long you know, it takes. With that you know what? Special forces aside, I was just telling Dan before we got on here that. When I went into the military back in 89, I got punched by my drill sergeant, right? I, yeah. you do have a punchable face. I, well, I got punched in the gut. I got punched oh. in the gut. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't answer quick enough. Drill yep. sergeant hunt punched me right in the yep. solar plexus. Okay. I'll never forget it anyway. Uh, but you know, the training we went through, we didn't go through any of this woke shit. You know what we went through? They put a bayonet on my rifle and the drill sergeant would yell, what makes the grass grow? And I would have to charge into this dummy, stabbing him, yelling, blood, 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 blood (laughs) makes the grass grow, Joel Sargent. That's what I yelled, right? I didn't learn about, hey, man, you know what? Bob next to you here is going to be in the foxhole. He goes by she, her. 
Yeah. So you're going to have to refer yeah. to Bob as she. And I'm like, uh, all right. I mean, fuck, yeah. cool. You know, now I, they got, now they got to say modified, uh, well, modified shit from Monsanto, sir. So I have a, well, here, let me just play this real quick. Here's Mark Milley. You know, just, Mar- you know, Mark, you know, Mark, Milley. <laughs> you know, Mark Milley. So here's Mark Milley. I just want to get your take on, on what Mark Milley has to say, because you know what? Mark Milley's in touch with his feelings. He wants to understand everything. Um, first of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand uh, and I, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What caused that? All right, he goes on. I'm not even going to play it. First off, <laughs> first off, <laughs> before we even talk about anything else, listen, the guy in the buffalo hat did not try to overturn the Constitution. I am so sick of this. Uh, listen, these guys should be in jail. Nobody denies that, right? You can't just go into the Capitol. I get it. But nobody's been charged with insurrection. Stop with the, oh, fuck. Don't get me started on that. But let me read here. Roger Wicker, U.S. Senator from Mississippi had a press release February of this year. According to General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, U.S. service members have spent a total of 5,889,082 man hours on the February 5th, 2021 extremism stand down and on diversity, equity, and inclusion training, including critical race theory since President Biden took office. Almost 6 million man hours that could have been devoted to killing our enemy that could have been devoted to being the most lethal fighting force the world knows. And we have spent that time learning about critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion training for the military. We could have sent mm-hmm. 6 million man hours to Ukraine and ended that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you know what Mark Milley was doing all that time? Eating. Yeah, I exactly. Yeah. I, I want to know what his PT score is. <laughs> zero. Yeah. It's negative. Exactly. They're like, sir, we've never seen anybody get a zero on the PT test. But to your point, when people hear shit like that, they're like, I don't want to be a part of, uh, of that kind of mindset. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The war fighters yeah. are hearing this and they're like, yeah. whoa. They're like, I read the art of war. This wasn't in it. Yeah, this ain't me, man. Yeah, I'm- that's a, so the problem, though, is if we continue to tell our young people not to go in the military, then the military and the, the intelligence uh, arena are going to be completely compromised. That's the problem, Steve. So you, you face a, a dilemma where it's full of, you, you don't want to put your, your sons and daughters behind enemy lines with a bunch of leftists, but at the same time, if they don't, get in there and take it back. The only way you can take the military back is like the United States. You got to do it from the inside out. The only way you're going to do that is if you have raised good kids who realize that they will rise to a level where they're going to have to make these decisions and they're going to have to stick to their guns. I mean, these people don't, I'm listen, I'll be honest. I'll probably say a lot on this podcast because I haven't, <laughs> haven't talked in a, in a while. I'm no fan of general Flynn. And I'm no fan of General Flynn for the reason that I look at General Flynn like I look at John Stewart. When it comes to with John Stewart, every time, you know, there's a veteran bill, he's on board with it. 
uh, every time there's something about 9-11, he's on there with his scruffy face like he's down in the dumpster in the, uh, on the ground with everybody. But then you, when he's starting his new TV show that got canceled, he's talking about how the white people in this country um, have such privilege and how uh, it's uh, the American dream is only good for white people. You know, and he, and he said that the American dream is a fallacy. Same guy. Right. Well, with General Flynn, I mean, General Flynn, the first word in his name, General, automatically makes me reluctant to trust him because he was a politician. He did, despite how he got jammed up by by the FBI, and he did get jammed up and it was a big game that they played. But he did go out there and do work with a uh, foreign nation and didn't tell anybody about it. So, you know, he was guilty of that. And he is somebody who was an insider in Washington, D.C., just like these other generals are, which I don't believe that they should be. When I look at General Flynn now, every time I see him on television, he has attached himself to, you know, oh, you know, the the nation has fallen apart and we're going to help bring it back. Well, you know, you were on the forefront. Right. You were on the forefront and you didn't you didn't do anything to bring it back. Just like and every so other politician, just like Joe Biden, just who's like going to fix this stuff. Politician. And I've been here for 43 years. What have you done for 43 years? You not haven't done shit. Damn thing. You haven't done anything. So, All you've done is so flip flop. I'm not saying I don't like General Flynn because I don't know General Flynn. But what I what I'll say is that there's a lot of people over the past, you know, since Trump started his not since he was in office, but since he started his campaign, there's a tremendous amount of people in that orbit that really do nothing except talk. Uh, collect huge amounts of money to talk and they rile the people up. And then when the people go home, they think that they've really done something and they've done nothing. And I also, you know, I don't like, I think the Q movement is the worst thing to ever happen to the constitute protection of the constitution because people believe and still believe that there's some kind of uh, mysterious plan and that people, I just watched some video from 2020, um, some Q video the other day, and it was laughable. None of the stuff came true, and it was literally telling people to do nothing. That they collect intel, they pass intel to each other, but there is a plan by certain people in government that are going to go and arrest and do all these things. That doesn't exist. Right. It does not. And that's what, that's what I've always said with Q, right? I mean, Q was the one who was out there saying, hey, man, the National Guard be down here. Don't worry about it. You know what? They're yeah. setting up all the fences because they're about to arrest Hillary Clinton and they're going to arrest, you know, the yeah. whole left government. Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happens. And you know what? Nothing's ever going to happen. Hillary Clinton. Anybody's ever, anybody's ever worked for the government will tell you that the government's not going to arrest high-level government. Hell no, they're not. That's not what they do. Hell no, they're not. It's a two-tier justice system here, right? What, what, if me and you were to do what Hillary Clinton has done, your your family wouldn't even have visitation days with you. (laughs) I mean, uh, seriously, but she will never, she will, listen, she'll probably run again. She'll probably run again. I think the kid who took pictures of the submarine at the same time, right? Yeah. He got punished. Mm -hmm. I don't think his punishment was enough. I don't think that kid should have gotten a pardon. I think what he did was wrong, but they use that politically to, to show that, you know, it was treated unfair and we're going to give him a pardon. I don't, I think that kid should have gotten the book thrown at him for taking pictures on, on one of our subs. Yeah. He knew the rules. Exactly. And he got punished by the rules, 
So I think pardoning him was the wrong thing. It sent the wrong message. But at the same time, the blatant stuff that Hillary Clinton does, uh, the, you know, John Kerry, the people who go represent the United States and aren't it, at one point he wasn't even a part of the United States government going over a meeting with Iran uh, and delivering a billion dollars in strange uh, currency, you know, not not a check that you could measure. Um, all these different things, these, these they would build new jails uh, using us as the foundation. That That's what they would do. So, you know, the whole Q movement, the way that a lot of these individuals are uh, that are in this orbit uh, from the, the Trump era, I just it to me, it's causing more problems for this nation than it is good. And uh, and I think it all circumvents back around to what those of us who've been in the military realize is that. Freedom demands participation. And if you don't want to participate, and I'm not talking about showing up and doing Instagram like they did on January. You're 6th. talking about primaries. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about if it's time to go to war, you go to war. Yeah. And, you know. All right. So president. So, so King, King Gillum. All right. Yeah. You're King no, no, of the United. No, King, King. No, no you, we're a president. Yeah. We're, well, no, no. You're King. You're King. Just, just for this yeah, instance. Just for this, for this instance. Just you're King. Yeah. You're yeah. King of America. So nothing that has happened in the past applies to you. You can do whatever you want. How do you fix this? How do you fix it? It's very simple. It's very simple. You do what the founding fathers do. You reinstate the same constitution and you reinstate it the same way. And you go through the same process. That's if you, if you were deemed King, that's how you save this nation. You, so do you, you, you do you fix funerary that, you get rid of the buffoonery that's up there now because that you get rid of, of the Republican and the Democrat parties. Get rid boom, of those things. Boom. And because, it's, it sounds like the real Great Reset, right? The, what the Great Reset yeah. should be. Yeah. So, yeah, well, so you're going to get back to 1787 where the, the Constitution was ratified and this is it. This is the way it is. We're going to start back over. We're going to get rid of the Board of Education. We're going to get rid of Bureau of Land Management. We're going to get rid of all this crazy bullshit in the government. And we're going to start well, I, over. I go, I go, I go back before that because what I would go back to is where the United States declared their independence and went to war with France, or with uh, Great Britain, excuse me. Because what we need to do is France we need to declare. Easier. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, and they did a good job. They did a good. They did an incredible job yep. helping us. At they that did. Point in time. They did. But we need to declare our independence from this leftist ideology that has been around since the garden of Eden. you know socialism comes from lucifer right i like to use his name lucifer rather than the devil or satan right I, they're all the same person but what's interesting about lucifer because part of the book that i'm writing right now has a lot to do with uh the god man process of life and uh if you look at who lucifer was most people don't look at him like this he was a a creature that was uh, perfect in all his ways. The Bible says that he was perfect from the day he was created. He was adorned with uh, every jewel that you can imagine. It was literally built into his body. He was uh, the the, uh, the 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 morning light, or he was the light bearer. You know, Lucifer. That's what his name comes from. And he was trusted and walked with God. Now, I want you to think about that. This creature was the highest angel and walked with God. That right there shows you how powerful this this creature was. And when God created man, he saw that man was different 
because man was created in God's image. We don't know if any other creature that we can see, it's, there's the saying in the Bible that any other creature was created in God's image. So here was this lowly creature created in God's image um, and uh, he had one rule, one freaking rule that says, don't eat of that tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Don't eat of that tree. And so Satan from or Lucifer from the very beginning, the lie that he told Eve is the same lie that the left and the Democrats and to some extent the Republicans tell us every single day. They say, listen, God is not really telling you the truth. The reality is if you eat of this apple, then you're going to know everything that he knows. And that's why he doesn't want you to eat it because you'll be just as good as him. So let, help, let me help you with that power, right? And so you're going to be the one ultimately who has the power and you won't need this authority figure. That is exactly what communism, the, the lie of communism and the lie of socialism. And that's exactly what the Republican Democrat Party pedal. You know, listen, we're going to make you greater, but we're the ones who have to do it. So you need to give us your power and then we're going to make this all great. And then it's going to be great for you. That lie has been around. If we look at science, you know, I don't really trust scientists that much, but let's say it's been around a billion years. That guy's been working that plan for a billion years. So that's freaking when you think about that, because Lucifer never died. He didn't die. And here's the other thing. When he fell and he was tossed out of the garden, a third of the heavenly hosts were thrown with him. And if you read the Bible, it says at least three times that there were 10,000 times 10,000 minimum heavenly hosts. So that's 33 million minimum. So 33 million of these evil, aristocratic, not Freddy Krueger's, people who thought they were amazing, thought they were awesome, and believed the deceiver were all cast down to the earth. And so here we are millions of years later or thousands of years later, whatever it is, and you, you turn on the television and you will see a rank structure of evil when you turn it on. You will see ground level operations. You'll see logistics. You will see academia. You will see politicians and influencers. Um, and the whole rank structure is there. So if you want to see evil and you want to see where these 33 million demonic forces are and where Lucifer is, all you have to do is turn the television on and look at the rank structure of all the things that are happening. That's it. It's right there in front of you. We, we do have a listener named Brad that was that right now is smiling ear to ear, listening to you see all that stuff. So go ahead and give a quick shout out to Brad. If you would, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, we, we'd like <laughs> hey, to talk. Brad. We'd like to talk about what Brad does for a living, but Brad has said we can't because <laughs> He's got a job to do because the military might kick him out, but, <laughs> but he's but, strong uh, in his faith too. And I guarantee well, you, he's, no, he's, you know he's, what? he's easier to hear. With you that. are a hundred percent correct. It does start from the ground up because these, these schools right now are conditioning these kids and these kids move on into the colleges, which condition these kids. And for some reason we have, we have accepted the fact that you have to go to college straight out of high school. It's not okay to graduate from high school and take a few years off, get some worldly experience. And, but you know what? Which the I did. The, well, right. But that's not what they want. But the colleges don't want that. They don't want you to have a chance to see real to life, get, to get, yeah, real life, to start critically thinking. They want you to go straight from indoctrination to indoctrination. So they can mold you. Yeah. And then from there, right. Now you're going into the military, you know, uh, 
I, I don't, unless you're going to get involved in your local level, which I'm guilty of, right? I should be going to school board meetings, but I fall into the whole thing with like, well, my kids are older. They don't, they're not in school anymore. I got a podcast. Nah, to do. I, got, I got other shit going right. on, but, uh, but apathy is killing this country. It is. It absolutely is. People are not concerned anymore with the evil that has infiltrated us from the beginning until, uh, until the upper levels. And well, it's weird. It's, it's not even apathy anymore. I think before Trump, it was apathy. Uh, I got out of the FBI in 2013 and then I spent, years traveling around this country trying to get people to wake up because i got introduced to a guy named yuri bezmanov i didn't meet him but i I got introduced to his videos he actually died in the 80s but he um was a a russian defector who came to the united states and then settled in canada told us everything that was going to happen and as when i saw that and i reflected on stuff that was happening when i was in the bureau what i realized is that we're in a position where we needed to unify. That was my whole thing when I started hosting for Hannity and all these people. I do all these shows uh, on unifying. And that was a departure from what those daily shows, all politics. Um, I would have people on there and would talk about getting the people unified. Then I travel all over the country talking unified. Got to have dialogue. Everybody's going to come together. Well, 2020 happened. Uh, Actually, Trump happened. A lot of people got unified. But what they did was they got unified to the point where it's like Friday night and there's a great concert and everybody's going to get together and go to a concert. Right. And at the end of the concert, they're all freaking stoked on what they just saw and they're all happy themselves. They go home, they talk about the concert for two weeks. That's what the citizenry is now. It's it's really reverted back to, hey, let's go to a rally and support Trump or whoever. And uh, they're going to come home and pat themselves on the back and get on social media. And they they think that they're warriors. And and that's what led up to a lot of the nonsense that you saw on January 6th. I was there the month before um, when they had another rally. And at the end of that rally, I was telling everybody, I went on radio, I was on TV, I was all over podcasts, everything, telling everybody, don't go to January 6th. Get your groups of people, go to your state capital, let Trump do his rally there. You do your rallies at the state capitals. That's how you're going to make the difference. Because I realized, I realized from, from COVID that states are where the power is held. That's where the real power is at. You look at how many people Cuomo killed or Gretchen Whitmer or all these people, how many lives and businesses they destroyed. That was the federal government. That was, that was the governor's. And so people didn't listen and they go to January 6th and they pat themselves on the back, get loud. Instead of stopping at the Capitol, surrounding the Capitol, walking their arms and doing what they did down in Virginia when they protested the uh, support for the Second Amendment. You know, they 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 showed up in force and they didn't break stuff. They just showed up and said, this is what you're going to get if you keep messing with us. Right. So they did. They didn't do that. They actually broke into the Capitol. Some cases they were able to walk in the Capitol, but nonetheless, it escalated in certain places. Could have been covert leftists or FBI instigators, whatever you want to say. But I know plenty of people that went in there on January 6th. And you know what they did? They took pictures and did Instagram. Right. And if if you're going to show up, because I will say this, the reason why the majority of people were there was not to support Trump. They were there because the government's broken. And if you're going to show up, 
and reset the government. You don't do it on Instagram. Right. Well, and that's what, that's what we say here all the time, right? Is that you want to see an insurrection? Look at Afghanistan. The Taliban rolled through there, was executing members of the government, was making members of the government flee. That's an insurrection. They are taking over the government. A guy dressed up like a buffalo. Iran, same thing. But a guy dressed up like a buffalo, somebody walking around in there stealing the lectern, those people are not there to take over the government. Give me a break. You think the buffalo guy wanted to be in charge of the government? Come on. You know what's so crazy about this whole thing is those people that went in there and even the idiot. I know tons of Oath Keepers, amazing people, three percenters, amazing people. These are people who love the country. They're not want, they don't want to go to war with the country. They actually participate in, in keeping themselves prepared for things that will go wrong. They're actually great Americans. But those idiots that went up there that day in full gear with no no weapons, they just had gear. I mean, they're, that's as queer as you can get. You know, I'm going back to the old days when they used the word queer. That's um, okay. You're, I've been, you're on Pop Bless America. Because <laughs> I read, uh, I've been uh, going back through the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and they use queer throughout the whole thing. They, it's like their main description back in the day. So, but these guys go through there, and it was um, it was just stupid. You know, they stupid the way they show up dressed in gear, and they and they did nothing. And he ruined, I forget what his name is, ruined the reputation of the Oath Keepers in a lot of ways and vilified these people. But you know what, what's interesting about the whole thing? is that the devil, Satan, and the left are so good at what they do, because they've been doing this for thousands and thousands, millions of years, they're the ones who are actually doing the insurrection. And this thing that you see on television, this January 6th uh, meeting, is no different than when uh, Hitler's uh, group uh, had the uh, uh, rights. Yeah, show trials. They're show trials. Burnt, yeah, and they had it burnt down. They had a show trial. It's no different than that. Yeah, you know, they put they put some guy who was mentally uh, unfit for life up on trial. So he did the whole thing. He's just some guy who didn't know what happened, and uh, and they kill him. Um, and that's this January sixth trial. It's like the whole thing is is ridiculous. They're lucky that ten guys like myself didn't show up there with a plan. Right. And, and, a, and a set of different. demands. Well, and, you know, yeah. that's, that's uh, you talk <laughs> about the, the three percenters, you talk about the Oath Keepers. Being in the FBI, and in 2013, you probably know already, you know what the FBI thinks about the Oath Keepers, right? What yeah, are they, what they, are they labeled? They, they just had leaked documents listen, about it. Well, they're labeled domestic listen, terrorists. When I was in, I'll be honest with you, I went in in 2005. I only saw white supremacy cases inside of the prison system. I didn't see anywhere else. And as far as domestic terrorism goes, uh, there's very few true extremist groups out there and they're no different than black supremacists uh, or black separatists. Yeah. There's, there's no different. You know, they, these are people who were <clears throat> complete wackos. I've gotten in arguments with them on the radio because they, hate police to the point where, you know, I've got a problem with, with the way law enforcement is right now, but I don't hate cops, you know, and these guys would murder cops if they could, you know, they, they just don't believe in authority whatsoever. So yes, there are those people out there, but those people are nothing like the oath keepers. They're nothing like the three percenters. These are people who love this country, love this nation. If you're stuck on the side of the road, those are the types of people who are going to pull over and help you fix your tire. You know, whereas these other people, are true separatists, but there's very few. The real separatists 
are the Democrat and Republican Party establishments. Correct. That's the real separatists. Last thing on January 6th, uh, they would have, they lost a big opportunity there. They would have had the entire country behind them. Had they filed in, look, granted, you cannot be in the Capitol, but had they filed in and they all sat in the chamber and one person went up to the microphone and said, look, here's why we're here. This is what we think is wrong. Here's what we want to see fixed. They get done with that and they all file out. No damage, no stealing of lecterns, no feet up on the desks. And they just walked out. Although out of all the things, that lectern thing was the funniest thing ever, but we'll go ahead. No, no, it was. I mean, this guy's just walking around. The, yeah. I face swapped Jim's face on that guy. <laughs> he did. And then I sent it to him. And, I, and then oh, I got nervous. I'm like, bad. God damn, the FBI is going to fall for this. And then I know he's knocking good. on my door. It did look good. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, had they just walked out then and they just had their list of demands. Okay. They still, well, they still stopped a, uh, uh, official proceeding from happening. So there's, okay. there's that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, but come on. I mean, you know, they want to, I mean, all these congresswomen and congressmen want to say, oh, my God, we were about to die. No, you weren't. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing that people need, that D.C. needs to take notice of is the fact that a couple of yahoos, and I do call a lot of these people yahoos, uh, a couple of yahoos showed up there on January 6th were able to stop the proceedings from happening for a period of time. And they weren't even armed or anything. They keep talking about these armed individuals. Right, not even organized. Talk about people who showed up with zip ties. You know, and if the real American people had wanted to and stepped forward, they could have literally stopped the government from functioning until it got back to normal. But that's the problem is that the American citizenry can no more do that right now uh, for the right reasons, which is not does not fit the definition of insurrection. It doesn't fit the, the, the definition of definition of treason or any of the other words. Well, it must, right? Because they're charging around. they're charging all these people with treason and insurrection, yeah. aren't they? No, mm. no. Oh, maybe not even trespass. one. Trespass, <laughs> trespass, misdemeanor trespass. Yeah, yeah. So, but the Ugh. but the thing is that if um if there was to be a true reset, uh, I think the lesson that came out of that was that people need to stop and realize that the government knows the reason they're doing these January 6th uh, trials, the reason this thing is so big is because they want to perpetrate the lie that if the American people rise up, you're going to get in trouble. And the reality is if the American people rose up in a uniform way and did it together, it'd be done in a day. And I mean, look at the czars in Russia. It took a week. Once that unfolded, they were gone. How much of this do you think is how much of the the military wokeness, the training, the br- bringing them over to their side, do you think is a result of that? Do you think they're starting to realize now that, look, if this were to happen today, we don't have the military. The military is not going to stand for us taking over <laughs> another this two years. They will. <laughs> right. I think it's I think uh, compared to what it was uh, even a year ago, I think the military, um, you know, Here's what not taking the vaccine does. It gets rid of conservatives. Right. It gets rid of constitutionalists. And by and large, you know, you look at who's who never lost their job after uh, COVID um, are liberals. You know, right. they're still liberals. Not only are they kicking people out of the military for not taking the uh, the vaccine and all those people, 100 percent of them are conservative. Not only are they kicking them out, but you go look at the recruiting. And the recruiting videos are absolutely pinpoint targeted towards leftists. Right. And I, I'm not just talking about 
somebody who, you know, may have voted for Obama. I'm talking about people who are hardcore leftist, true separatists, don't love the Constitution. That's who they're recruiting. You know, so you look at what's happening right now. It's not going to take long. You guys remember in I think real estate is a perfect example of what's happening in this country is you can it takes years sometimes to set up and build uh, a new uh, neighborhood complex. Or if you want to build a mall, right, you got to you got to get the property, you got to do all the, the legal stuff about getting the property. Then you got to get an architect to draw the stuff, get all the permits. It takes a long time to do that. However, when you're ready to tear it down, it takes a day. They call it demo day. They don't call it demo week or year or it takes a day. And in the, t- in the time span of the United States, what's occurred in the past couple of years is the equivalent to an hour in this country. So if, the, if things keep going the way they are, they're going to be the ones that are not these conservative groups or prepper groups. They're not going to be the ones who tear down this country. It's going to be the left and they're going to do it faster than anybody even expects. Well, because the framework's already there. We've allowed it little by little by little by little. Death of a thousand cuts. Right. Oh, well, this isn't that big a deal. You know what? They want to vote for this. That's not a big deal. You know what? They want to ban assault weapon. Well, I don't have an assault weapon. That's fine. You know? And then all of a sudden, it's all in place. And all they need to do is give the go word and everything, all those little things that they had in place now cohes together. And it's too late. There's nothing you could do. So that's a good segue right now into talking about the next topic, which is uh, all the shootings, whether it's at the mall or at the schools. We're not hearing a lot right now about the shooting that happened at the mall where that kid at 20, was he 22? Yeah, 22 22 year old kid kid. 40 yards away, put eight of 10 rounds on target with no training. And a handgun. And constitutional carry law. Yeah. Not so, hearing about that, are so you? So that works. He saved with a lot of lives and we're not hearing about it. But I was at uh, dinner with my mother-in-law last night uh, and my family and we were talking about the shows we were going to do uh, coming up today. And she was she jumped right in and she said, listen, I the school shootings to me needs to be talked about, like what the teachers have and what, the, you know, the, the tools they have is important. They need they need the panic buttons. They need a button that they push. And it's sophisticated enough to tell headquarters wherever it is in the school, like, here's where the problem's at. This is the location. This is what they need uh, tools like that. It, a lot of people want to put guns on the hips of teachers and a lot of people are against it. So where are you at uh, with your mindset on where we're at, at least in the schools? You know, my book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival, it's just that. It teaches you how to be aware of the attacker uh, and how to increase your awareness as a defender as well. And there's a process of understanding how an attacker thinks and determining who, why, when, where, and how they would carry out an attack. And it's, it's interesting because that's the last thing anybody is interested in, and it's the first thing that they should all be focused on. And so I've spent a tremendous amount of time trying to get schools uh, interested in this. I have, I've had a terrible time getting to the politicians because I just, um, I've talked to a lot of them. They're like, yeah, that'd be great. You know? And and I'm like, okay, why don't you suggest it and get it out there? Because I could teach every single school in this nation on a zoom call in three hours. I could teach every single school how to do their own threat assessments and then follow up with that. You know, and I even have workbooks for it that go right along with it. And they're just 
it's the same thing with freedom. They're not interested in participating. You know, they rather have a bill passed that eliminates this or that and does nothing except stop good, honest people from having a gun. You know, if they had it their way, that kid who saved all those people that at the food court, which by uh, just so you know, I've done threat assessments on malls all over this nation. The food court, whoever came in there, they picked the time that was the most critical, the location that was the most critical. And they came in there and they started slinging bullets um, and approached in a certain way that if they had done a threat assessment, that that mall would have known that that location at that time uh, is susceptible. And this is the avenue of approach and the method that probably would have been carried out. And they could have secured that themselves. Right. So they're lucky that kid was there. But it's really that easy. But everybody wants a bill to be passed. It's only going to do nothing except take away that kid who, who actually said everybody would take away his right to carry a gun. Bad guys are always going to have guns, just like fat people are always going to have spoons. Yeah. It's always going to be that way. And uh, so the hardest part I'm having is getting the attention to the threat assessment because there's so there's, you know, whenever there's an association of anything, it's going to be a problem. Right. And so there's all these associations of security and associations of that. And so these politicians turn to law enforcement. They turn to these associations and none of those people, most of them don't understand uh, what it takes to look at something from the attacker's point of view. It's not rocket science, by the way. I could teach it to anybody. Most people have been to the military, have learned it. They just have forgotten it or they don't know how to teach it to other people. But that's basically why I wrote that book. Well, let's use that against them, Jonathan. Let's let's use that against them and say, okay, next legislation that we're going to pass in the state is that every school needs to have a threat assessment done every year by a licensed company and a report written and and put it to them like that instead of trying to do what you're saying. but they don't. Yes, but they don't even have to have a licensed company. It, I, I could literally just over a Zoom call pick three people from the school, teach them how to think like an attacker, and they could go do it. Here's where I think the policy should come in. If a threat assessment has not been done by your school, then you have a certain amount of time to do it, or else you start losing funding. If you do it and you come up with the policies, which they could share policies from school to school of best practices. If you have a policy on the books and you don't follow it, then and something occurs, you're criminally liable. So the teachers, you know, in Uvalde, um, the administration, they just reinstated the principal. That guy should be in jail because he allowed a door to be left unlocked because that's where teachers went in and out of when they forgot their creds to get in the building. They would go through that door. That's Mm -hmm. why that wasn't locked. If you put the standards in place and you hold the people criminally liable, they're the ones who are going to make sure that those doors are locked. So there's a process in how we, that we can do this. Um, I also believe that every interaction that police have with Joe Q public uh, has information that can be uh, drained out or, or squeezed out of there and put into a database. If Joe or Joan Q public meet with the police department, they get a speeding ticket or a traffic ticket and everything is just the way it is or their neighbor calls because it's too loud. Police show up. No big deal. They go back. That goes in the database and goes on a, <clears throat> a matrix um, for the type of incident and the interaction uh, behavior. On the other hand, if you show up 
like it's this kid's home that did the shooting in Illinois at the parade uh, multiple times over several years of a violent nature. Instead, even where there's not a case for an arrest, it goes on this matrix to where if there are a certain amount of these violent types of encounters, then when that person goes to buy a gun, that's the person that you regulate whether or not they get a gun, not the rest of the people. And see these in all these incidents, these shooters have been engaged with law enforcement on multiple occasions. And those do not go on a database. If you want a database, don't build a database of people who own guns. It's not going to do you any good. Build a database of the type of interactions that people have with law enforcement. It will tell you everything you need to know. Sure. It'll tell you if that guy's a gang member. It'll tell you if that kid's weird. It'll tell you if the parents are weird. Uh, everything you need to know. And then you do the same thing we do with terrorism. You know, little Johnny, his parents are, are it's a terribly toxic domestic relationship. And he's been caught in school fighting. He uh, tried to burn a cat. He uh, has been truant. Okay. Yeah, he's unstable. That kid. Well, that and kid so, so that brings me to, to the next thing. People always talk about this and I already have my own feelings, but what has changed? Because back in the fifties, you could buy an M1 Garant through a Sears catalog and have it shipped to your house. But nobody was taking those M1s into schools and shooting up a school. So something has my buddy, changed. My buddy, in West, my buddy in West Virginia in the in the 70s in the 80s used to go to school with his hunting rifle and lock it in his locker at school and the principal would come by and say you know did you guys get anything this morning because they'd be hunting they're like no we didn't get anything i mean it's well okay so in 19 in society 1989 i had a speech class right and one of the speeches you had to give in school was on a uh, it was a like a demonstration speech and you know what i did my speech on i got a fully automatic M16 from my dad, took it to school, walked it into school. All they said was, well, we should probably keep it in the principal's office. When it was time for my speech, I walked down the principal's office. I grabbed that gun, walked right down the hallway with it, walked into a classroom, and my demonstration speech was on breaking down an M16 and putting it back together. I did it, grabbed it, class change. I'm walking right down the hall, full hallways, full of kids, right down the hall with it, and turn, turned it back into the, to the office so they could hold it for me until the end of the day. Yeah. Different times now, but, oh, but listen. And, and then, and then you went to the bathroom in the boys bathroom. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and, you did. Well, and, oh yeah. So my daughter just graduated from Kent state university and I went in there into the bathroom there uh, during graduation. I went into the men's room. You know, the first thing I saw tampon dispenser men's bathroom. Wow. You know what's weird about that? Men get periods. That's how, even if these, even if these aren't transgender boys that were girls, that that's how pussified the male population has gotten in this nation to the point where they're on the verge of needing tampons. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Jesus Christ! I like Mike Trevisano said. I don't even recognize this world I'm living in. So, I mean, how yeah. much of this do you think is? is big pharma driven, right? All these shooters, how many of these shooters are not on any kind of psychotropic drugs? I've never, I've never seen, I haven't heard of any one of these uh, shooters not being on some kind of medication and having clinical help. You know, the same people, uh, same uh, industry of psychology and psychiatry that I have a degree in psychology 
and when I graduated college, uh, transgenderism was a mental problem. But now it's a medical problem. Now they've changed it because they're all progressive and left. Well, but, but that's what they, they do. Say, they're allowed to change the do. definition on everything they want to change the definition on. Right. right. They We're not a recession. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So now they're saying that these people are literally a, uh, a person born in the wrong body. Instead of saying that the person has mental issues where they cannot uh, uh, identify with their body. Um, now they're saying that they, no, they literally are. It's a female. They're just in a, a born a, in and a even body. further, so, even further. Now you have to recognize that you're not yeah, allowed. You get trouble for that. right. You're not right. allowed to say nah, that's bullshit because now you're a bigot. Now you're transphobe. Right. Uh, get the so fuck out of here. There, the the reality of this is that there is <clears throat> none of these shootings that have occurred um, had to happen. All of them could have been prevented. Uh, whether it's locking the doors or treating um, the kid, the children that are having these problems in a way that you would treat somebody who has problems. So, right. You know, so like now that the teachers can't fight back. Right. So you have all these kids that instantly, I, I would get paddled when I was in school by a teacher if I did wrong. Mr. Holland. Right? So now Mr. Holland, yeah, they, he was the one, he was the man. He swung a big bat right into your ass. Yeah. And you had to put your head against the locker so that your body moving wouldn't take any of the force away. You had to put your head against the <laughs> locker and he would paddle you. So your body didn't move. Child and abuse. you know what else? You, know, you would hear that crack throughout the halls. Every fucking kid in that school that was thinking about screwing off, heard that crack and was like, all right, not today, fam. Not today. Oh, Mr. Hall, I was in sixth grade and I was kind of a cut. Look, up everybody remembers the guy that paddled. Yeah. Mr. Hall, though, was the sweetest guy, nicest teacher, salt of the earth. This is in Yellville. And I, everybody wanted his class. So I got his class and he knew I was a funny guy. So he calls me up on my birthday and he said, I got your birthday present. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, I'm going to give you paddling so that because I'm going to give you the gift of knowledge. I'm going to give you a birthday spanking <laughs> so that you understand how bad it hurts. So you won't want to have that paddling any other time, you know, by doing things bad. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, I've been paddled before, but when he hit me with that paddle, I didn't want to get hit by that paddle again. <laughs> so I needed to shut my mouth when I was in his class. You know what everybody else so, learned? Not to tell anybody when their birthday was. Shit. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> it's, it's funny. So I, all I, these, I got different all, noises I can make for my children, which means stop what you're doing and look at me or come right here. And when I do it in public and I give them the sign and they and they turn around and walk right toward me, I always feel like people think I beat the shit out of them. But I don't. They just understand the assignment, you know? Oh, God. Well, I, I, you know, the, the fact is all these shooters could have been stopped long before they went there. It has so little to do with being able to get a gun. Um, you know, if some of these people if they had, weren't able to get a gun, they would have killed numerous amounts of people with knives or blunt objects, whatever. I mean, they could have Rocks, done it. And, cars. And it is, yeah. So I, I think there's a there's so many different things going on here. Psychotropic drugs are not tested, just like the vaccines aren't tested. So they, you know. They, and they're they, so they, fast to give people these drugs. You so go fast. in and you have one you have one appointment with this doctor and the next thing you know, you got 30 of them. You got, yeah. Next thing you know, you're on two different pills twice a day. You know, oh, this yeah. is going to fix so, you, but it messes so with your brain chemistry. You can't tell me they understand messing with brain yeah, chemistry. But, but see, here's the problem. It's, it's like the perfect storm. Yes. Big pharma is pushing those pills, but then you have the leftists pushing 
don't discipline your children. You have parents who don't discipline their children or raise their children. And so, and then you have children who go to these schools and because of social media, even the children themselves have become oddities to where they think because they put a phone at a certain angle and take a picture of themselves, that that's how good looking they are. Right. That's literally what people believe. So they, they, the whole world is living in a reality uh, dysmorphia type of mindset where they don't understand reality, right? Most of these people have no clue. Again, this is coming from the book that I'm working on now. They have no clue that you have on an average 84 to 86 years to live, right? They have no clue that they're all going to be dead before they can, they realize it. They would not have fallen their followed their calling. They're going to wish they had more time. And when they die and go to the other side and Jesus comes back, they will not be prepared to live with him. So it's the same as if I put you through a boot camp to, or seal training to be a seal, but I basically just let you show up, do Instagram and do whatever. Well, when you leave seal training and then you go into, uh, into the real platoon, you're going to be worthless. Yeah. So that's what, that's what's going to happen on the other side of death is there are going to be people who believe in Jesus. There's going to be people who, as far as faith goes, they got it. They're fully not prepared. And, and they're going to be in for a rude awakening. And those are the people that will eventually turn their back on Jesus at the end of the thousand years and will turn around and try to stab him in the back. So what you're seeing now is a perfect storm of drugs uh, being prescribed, of medical industry that is completely uh, complicit. Um, complicit and compromised. I mean, they're, they're, you have doctors telling you to wear masks outside and they know that you're going to be wearing the same mask all the time and, and they're doctors they know how germs work it doesn't well, work like that i mean uh, related unrelated on my way here today right here's how brainwashed they got some of this country on my way here today i see a guy in his car wearing a mask and all the windows down in his car driving down the road by himself Hmm. I'm like, Mother, what the fuck is wrong with you? I just want to pull up next to him, rip that mask off, be like, turn your air conditioning on. It's 83 degrees out here. What are you doing? I, he's, so got the, he's got, the, he's got them virtue that. dollars, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, so hey, what's, so much stuff about that you could say. Oh, well, okay. and we will. We will. See, unfortunately <laughs> for you, what you don't realize, you just became a friend of the show. So we're going to be calling you. And now I have your cell phone number. So we're going to call you out of the blue from now on and be like, hey, bro, listen. Yeah. What do you think on this? We got this new segment com- coming up called Cold Calls. <laughs> well, no, this is what Dan wants to do. I think it falls under telephone harassment. I got to check state laws. But either way, but either way, it's not really a cold call for you because we have your number. We're making up numbers from different area codes and calling people just to be like, hey, where, where do you stand? Do you want to talk to Pablo? Here's my rule on this stuff, okay? I, because I'm writing a book, so when I go into writing mode, and it could last for a year, right? But my schedule is dictated by writing. And so I'm up. uh, I don't go to sleep typically until about six in the morning because at night when it's quiet, that's when I write. That's when I'm creative. And so I sleep between the hours of uh, six and two. Doesn't mean I sleep till two, it means somewhere in between there, I'm going to get some sleep. So in the, and I'm in Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. So any other time on the clock, 
you can call me. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll, we'll always text you first. We'll always text you. Uh, unless we've been drinking. Hey, so unless, unless we're three episodes in for one day and we're half drunk. So then we may, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Uh, hey, real quick. So what's, what's the latest and greatest thing for Jonathan T. Gillum? What are you doing right now? Uh, you, you were talking about well, the threat assessments and. Right. So I'm trying to push out, you know, to get more and more of these schools and all these different churches, hospitals, whatever, to get on board to do these threat assessments, because I can do these in a way where I teach the people to do their own and then act as an advisor, because I don't I don't believe that it, it's any more beneficial for me as an expert to go to their facility, learn their facility and then tell them where things can happen, who, why, when, where and how it attacks. They already know all that because I'm going to go there and try to learn it from them. So I can literally teach them how to use their own knowledge to do their own threat assessment and act as an advisor. That's what I'm trying to do, right? Huge budget savings and all these things. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm writing this book. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, for a long time I was traveling, doing some amazing speaking, but it wasn't just speaking. I was tasking the people. You know, you have to have dialogue. And then after dialogue, we got to get prepared for action. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was Trump supporter when he was in president. But what I was never a supporter of was the people that he picked to work around him. I think he did a terrible job of that. And I think a lot of these people that he endorsed, uh, that he's endorsing, which many of these people paid him to be endorsed, I don't like them either. Some of them are great, but a lot of them are not. And unfortunately, any of these leeches attach themselves to Trump. They then go out and get on the speaking circuit. And the people who run these Republican clubs will pay tens of thousands of dollars to have those people come there because they think they're rubbing elbows with Trump when they're not. And what happens is they defeated all these people who were, for the, like myself, for the longest time were able to get out there. When we could get paid, we would. This is the way I was. You, you pay me. One group pays me ten grand to come and speak. I come there and speak, and then I use that money to go to places, smaller groups that couldn't afford to pay me. And now you don't have that. You'll have somebody who worked in the Trump White House and, I mean, look at any cast of characters there, and they'll make 40 grand for a speech. And then I, I talk to the people afterwards, like, what did you learn from that person? And they're like, well, you know, January 6th or Trump this. And I'm like, so you didn't learn anything about right. what needs to happen. Right. There's no task. You know, the problem with Trump, and we talked about this before we started this thing, the problem with Trump is that he was so – he's so mad at those who stood out, stepped out against him um, on those impeachment hearings that he is willing to endorse the first person that comes along without even vetting them. The first person that comes along that says, Oh, I'm with you. That's enough. Hey, and I want this guy to beat, you know, I want this guy to beat Anthony Gonzalez. So he throws his weight and his money behind that guy without knowing anything about them. And or who the you. better option was. Right. And there were better options here, at least in Ohio. Mm-hmm. So how do people get a hold of you, Jonathan? Um, they can go to Jonathan at Jonathan T. Gilliam.com, or they can just find me on any social media. I'm on all the platforms. Um, so I'm on Instagram. You know, I had an Instagram account, had 10,000 followers. They just deleted it right before uh, the uh, Trump Biden. Uh, oh, you're, a domestic, you're a domestic terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And then, uh, so I had to redo that. That's, that's real Jonathan Gilliam, but the rest of them, it's, it's Jonathan Gilliam with me with the beard. They'll be able to find me. All right, so And they can direct message me. They direct message me. If I can get to it, I'll answer them, which I do quite often. All right. Right on. And I would also like to point out 
that you pronounce your last name as Gilliam. And when I would say that before I ever met you, people would con- yep. correct me and tell me, oh, it's Gilliam. I'm like, I don't think well, so. Okay, so it is pronounced Gilliam, but what I did through the years, I started saying Gilliam because they know how to spell it. Yeah. Ah, I gotcha. And, so and, it is Gilliam. Yeah, so they were right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. But, but you were right. You were right as well. See, you were right. You just didn't know why you were right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like All right. it. All right, my brother. Well, listen, we're going to let you go. We got to get on another call here. So, uh, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate you. I do. This was uh yeah, and, 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 and when the people that listen to our podcast reach out and tell you they want number two, uh, we're going to have you back. There's a lot of stuff we didn't cover as far as the FBI, uh, as far as uh, everything else going with these gun grabs and all this bullshit. Uh, we didn't get yeah. to cover with you, and I would like to have a part two. All right, uh, I don't. Whenever you have time, I don't know Absolutely. if you have a drink in front of you right now. Because um, it's still uh, early where he's at. Even coffee, whatever. Gatorade, Gatorade nope. Zero with water. Okay, right. well that's that's all right. So raise it up because we finish every show. Uh, we had the widow of Josh McTarian, who was a Twinsburg police officer that was brutally executed in the line of duty, and she was on here um, giving her story about Josh. And so we finish every show. His drink of choice was Old Granddad. We have a bottle of Old Granddad with a sticker of Josh's badge on it. We finish every show with a toast to Josh. So um, let's have back to you. You want to do the toast? Uh, you want to do, do the, the toast? toast. <laughs> I'll do the toast. All right. Yeah. Here's the lying, stealing, fighting, and drinking. If you're going to lie, lie to save a friend. If you're going to steal, steal a heart. If you're going to fight, fight to win. If you're going to drink, drink with me. Cheers to you. Josh. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. We appreciate you, man. We'll be in touch. Thanks so much. You got it, my friend. All right. Take care. Take care. One team, one fight. Yes, sir. I like it. Now, what a dude. All right. Yeah, man. That was a great, uh, that was a great show. All right. Well, we got to get out of here. We've got stuff going on. Uh, Dan, you got anything left? No, it's, uh, you know, reach out to this guy. Let him know that you enjoyed the episode because I would love to have him back on. I think we can land him again. We have a lot more to talk about. So let's do that. All right. As always, we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five-star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. And you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America. And you can find me at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And you can find me at Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Dan. And Pod Bless America. 